You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Who is this genius? We're back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to kick off this uh, 2019 NHL Draft Special uh, brought to you by HockeyProspect.com. We're going to speak with the man in charge who runs the show for HockeyProspect.com, uh, Mark Edwards. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Mark. I know busy uh, time of year for you. Now that the Black Book is done, uh, but yeah, you're doing a ton of media right now, too. A little bit, yeah. Going on the odd uh, show and talking some draft, which is always fun. But uh, May is really the only bad month of my year. Mm-hmm. I have a great, great job, and uh, May is busy. But we get to June and talk on some radio, and then uh, I'm heading to Vancouver next Wednesday. So that's always a good time actually watching the draft unfold after doing all the work. Well, the Black Book has uh, been the staple of the industry, the benchmark uh, for independent scouts uh, for years now. A bit of a different format this year, and you might have to walk me through it a bit. I, I have a copy of it. It's uh, you know just a uh, massive wealth of information, as always, but in a different way this year. Uh, tell me about the changes and why you made the changes. Yeah, so it's something I've been wrestling with for about the last three or four years, but because we had it one way with a full 217 uh you know, selection, so to speak, 217 players ranked. I was worried about, uh, the confusion of switching to, um, well, I'll call it an NHL style list. So an NHL style list is like the NHL teams do where, you know, they might list a hundred and, you know, depending on the year. I mean, I got so many different answers because I really wanted to get a, a, um, an idea of just how much it changed from team to team that, but for lack of, uh, argument, it was, most guys told me, you know, 106, 107, 110, and then they all separate the goalies and then I might have their 10 goalies or whatever. That obviously changes by year as well. So mm. you're talking about a total, including goalies for the most part of say 120 max. Uh, and then if you want to start talking about where they actually get to that, get to on that list, that's usually, you know, 80s. It starts, you know, you're going to be choosing somewhere around 80. Uh, and, and guys even told me they, you know, high sixties at times. It just depends on the year. Um, but you know, you're getting, getting, uh, looking for that seventh rounder and you might take your 81st guy ranked or maybe next, the year after that's 87 or, you know what I mean? You get the point here. Yeah. So that's kind of how we did it this year. We separated our goalies. I just was time. And the big thing was be trying to play what we're big. When there's players that we didn't want to draft ourselves, but they were like highly touted, that sort of thing, where to slot them in and kind of show where we maybe select them um, if we would take them at all. And more so, the difficult part was if it was going to be a guy that I'd like to, you know, take a, uh, a run at in the seventh, one of the guys that we'd be looking at in the seventh, well, all of a sudden we're ranking them at 188 or 192 on our list. Right. You know, to get them to show the reader that, yeah, we see him as a seventh round. In effect, based on what I just told you, right, he'd be a hundred spots in an NHL list having any chance of being drafted whatsoever. Right. So I just wanted to go to the point where let's do apples to apples. Uh, this is kind of the list that I sent to, you know, private clients in the NHL. So it was like apples to apples when they looked at it. Uh, and I just figured, We'll take one year here where the reader might be a little confused, guys that have been buying our book over and over again, but I tried to uh, get a lot of information at the beginning of the book to explain it all, what we do, and make the change finally. And then the other is we just brought in, to go alongside this, we brought in uh, draft grades. So we're using Winnipeg, 
Uh, there's a three to nine rating system on some categories. Hockey tends to compete, skill skating. Um, and then we put a draft grade too. So an A is a first rounder, uh, B is a second, third rounder. People are familiar with this. Um, the Jets use a C plus and that's kind of just like you're distinguishing that he's probably closer to a fourth than to a seventh. And this obviously now would be the seventh rounder. Right. So we have an A, B, C plus C. So you'll see those grades on players. And then we have a no draft. Um, some teams will call, you would just throw the watch as like a, Hey, yeah, we'll take a P. So we just use ND, no draft. Um, what teams do is the C's that you have graded as C's that go undrafted, they'll turn into watches next year. Right. So for instance, we'll take a look, you know, which C's we rated the C's might go undrafted and they would start our next year on our watch list and we'd watch them early in the year and just see, you know, are we going to have any interest next year? Yeah. So in a nutshell, that's kind of it. Um, the, the grade is a three to nine scale. So those categories I mentioned, hockey sense, compete, skill, skating, there, it's, let's use a three to nine. So I put, you know, uh, a term on it. So three is poor, four below average, five average, uh, six good, seven very good, nine elite. And I think we only used maybe three nines or something in the whole book. I tell the guys, you know, that's, we're going to use it sparingly. All right, uh, that's uh, Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com uh, talking about the changes to the Black Book. Uh, before we get into some of the individual players, where do people get the Black Book? What's the uh, the cost point, the price point? Okay, so it's uh, on our website for the digital PDF version. Another change this year, we have a, an EPUB, and the EPUB is if you've got your iPhone or iPad, you can download both versions are included when you purchase uh, online, and the the iPhone, the iPad version has audio too. So mm-hmm. it would be a little audio button and you click. And the only bad part is you have to hear me talk uh, a little bit about the player. <laughs> uh, but that's the new change too, is uh, we just added an extra format with the audio included. And then every other year we've had the print and I'm still uh, hopeful we're going to have print this year, but I've ran into an issue. Uh, long story short, Amazon purchased the company we've always used and the interface is different and they're kind of rejecting our files that I am trying to get submitted here to get the book on Amazon. Like we've had it here and, uh, I've been hassling, uh, and wrestling with this for, this is day six. All right. Well, hopefully that gets, uh, all worked out here in the uh, next uh, 24 hours or whatever. Uh, what we're doing today, we're going to talk to a number of, uh, where uh, you can talk to you and a number of your guys uh, on the show, kind of pick different areas. Uh, geographically, what uh, go by leagues, uh, and uh, you get the uh, the WHL. Uh, we'll talk to Brad about the uh, the OHL, but uh, we're going to focus on the dub uh, with you, Mark. And uh, at the top of the list is Bowen Byram. I think everybody is pretty much in universal agreement that uh, By- uh, Byram is the uh, the number one defenseman in- available in the du- in the uh, NHL draft this year. And it's probably not even that close, is it? No, it's not. I'll just quickly mention to Liam Loeb is our WHL guy who just uh, couldn't make himself available for you. So okay. I'm uh, I'm crossing over here and I'm going to talk with some of the dub guys here just to to be clear about that since uh, that way if I screw up here it's like hey it wasn't my area. Uh-huh. No problem. <laughs> uh, what makes Byram special? Yeah, Byram is is very special. I will be shocked if. Um, He's not gone by the fourth pick and, you know, there's a good chance three 
uh, with the Blackhawks even drafting a bunch of D lately. It wouldn't shock me if they took them. Right. And then I think that if they don't, that uh, Colorado will take them. And wouldn't that be interesting, having uh, McCarr and Byram? As yeah. a, uh, but this kid just creates offense. And, you know, it's interesting that the um, I was so high on him coming into the year, and maybe the expectations were just through the roof. And I, I don't want to make it sound like I thought he played poorly at the Holinka, but I was kind of like, eh, you know, kind of expected more. And I, I was in Red Deer a lot, so I didn't, I think I only saw two Canada games, uh, at the Holinka when I was in Edmonton, but I was just kind of like, eh, you know, not, not as great as I've seen him. Mm-hmm. Oh man, did he ever make up for that the rest of the year? Whew. And especially I thought from, uh, kind of December, January on, I thought he had one of the best second halves of prospects had in a long time put his team on uh, his back and carried them. And he just, those, I just look at it like he just hates offense. He just makes people around him better. Um, he just sees the ice so well. He's creative. And then he's got the, the skills, the tools to back it up. Byram was uh, unbelievable in the playoffs as well. And I think the biggest reason the, the Giants got to uh, the final, let alone overtime in Game 7, uh, a goal away from uh, getting to the Memorial Cup. Um, three uh, forwards following him uh, out of the WHL that I think a lot of people, including myself, kind of maybe mixing uh, Kirby Dock and Peyton Krebs and Dylan Cousins, those three, you know, he asked me in October which one I like the best. It's different in come December and again different in March and probably different now. Uh, the way you've got them listed, I won't give out the numbers because uh, I don't want to uh, spoil it for people uh, getting the, the black book, but Peyton Krebs, then Kirby Doc, and Dylan Cousins, that's probably the way I see it as well, but how big of a gap is there between those three guys in your mind? Yeah, there's not there's not a big gap. And what you just changed in your mind, well, you know, that was the same case on our staff and just about every NHL team scout I spoke to this year, and not just with these WHLers, but a group of guys all near the top. And really, it's, it's going to be a, a crazy that way. Um, I don't mind saying the ranking, the top 31's for free on our site anyway. Okay. It's not a big deal. But we've got we've got Krebs at 6, Doc at 8, and we have Cousins at 14. For me personally, uh, Cousins was always the guy that was the, the third of those three. Uh, Byram, you know, as the D, was kind of in his own little um, class. Yeah, figure that later, and then that became very easy uh, with him third overall on our list. Um, Krebs is the is the player that to me, consistent, and and you you just notice them all the time. And I use the line kind of on every interview. He just drives the bus. And I just thought that he he was always the the line driver. He was always the guy, uh, even on his team where he didn't have a ton of talent with him. That he he was the guy that had to make it happen and did make it happen often. Uh, Doc is the guy that I have said would be fourth on if I thought he played more consistently and got kind of the out of his tools more often. In other words, I think his ceiling is the highest of those guys. Um, his skill level is really high. Obviously, then you've and the centerman. So I think he's the guy that could have been fourth on our list ahead of an Alex Turcott who is if we saw Doc just bring it a little more often. And that's really for the drop. And it's so tight in this 4-10 to 10 mm-hmm. that that little slip-up of just not seeing it as, consistent, as consistently as we would like is a difference between Doc, say, fourth, and as it turns out, eighth on our list. And then we go down to Cousins, and it sounds like 14th. Oh, my God, these guys hate Cousins. Sure. Hate Cousins. It's, it's, it's pretty competitive up there. Okay, something we did is we project him as a winger for what we see in his game. And 
we're concerned about sense compared to a guy like Krebs or even other guys up there, a Doc, uh, Turcott, Egress. Uh, when we match his hockey sense against those guys, that's where he, in our, you know, in our evaluation, doesn't match up, and that's why he's down 14th. And I was looking back, actually, we had him 13th this time last year in our very, very early look at this year's draft. Uh, so he ended up dropping one spot after rising up a little bit uh, at times this year. Uh, Doc, I think, um, and he really showed this in, in uh, I saw him live a couple times. The one in was in, and I thought he played a really responsible game. When I say that, I mean caring about more than just scoring, caring about more than just offense. I thought he was really good in the neutral zone with his assignments and in his own zone, really understanding defensive hockey. And then as again, as I mentioned, like this kid's got, this kid's got skill. So if, if there's a guy that's going to make us look really bad, it might be Doc at eight. But you know what? When it's this tight and you see a guy, you know, kind of disappear on you at times and he's got the Podkoles and Krebs, Egress, Turcotts, you know, Byrams of the world in front of him. Uh, that's, that's all it takes uh, for us to move him to eight. And he's ahead of, <laughs> that said, he's ahead of a really good player at number nine, Matthew Boldy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Mark Edwards from hockeyprospect.com. Let's go the, uh, the, a little bit further down in the first round or at least in your top uh, 31-ish. Uh, Lassie Thompson of the uh, Kona Rockets comes in at 28, and then Matthew Robertson at 35. And I, sorry, I spoiled that because that's outside the top uh, 31. But that's okay. That's um, okay. <laughs> um, I, I was interested to see the comparison where those two guys w- would come together. Obviously, I know Matthew Robertson really well uh, d- doing the uh, Oil Kings broadcast. I only saw Lassie Thompson once this year. The Rockets came to Edmonton, were terrible, were outshot 27-13, still won the game three to one somehow. Uh, but Lassie Thompson, it was, I saw him on an off night. It wasn't a great night, uh, for him. Um, but you have obviously seen him, uh, play better. Uh, tell me, uh, what you like about, uh, Lassie Thompson. Yeah. So Lassie's an interesting one because I saw him last year in Plymouth, Michigan with Finland in the, uh, Five Nations tournament. And I, I, you know, he was kind of, for guys getting, eh, not much ice. And, but every shift I was like, why don't they play this guy? And, you know, I won't say names, but he definitely <laughs> earned what I thought was earned ice over a couple of guys for sure. And I was like, man, I would wish they'd just play this guy more because uh, every shift he had really good shifts. So I was looking forward to him, uh, you know, as a late birthday coming into this year. And then, as you know, fate has it, here it is. He's in Port Draft and, and he's in Kelowna. And uh liked what we saw. But, it, you know, here I am. I'm the guy kind of pumping his tires and everything. I think I probably finished... And again, I don't want to make it sound like I don't like Lassie Thompson, but I was probably the lowest of our guys on him by the time we were doing the final meetings here. And it was really just down to uh, some hockey sense issues with him, I thought, some decision-making. I, I thought that his mistakes always seemed costly. Like he's, he's so good at skating the puck, and he's great offensively, um, as his stats would show uh, with both you know, uh, helpers and goals. Uh, but I thought that he, you know, he gave back kind of, kind of what he helped with. Uh, he gave back with some poor decisions and, and ending up, you know, leading schools against on his team. So I'll be interested to see if he hangs on in the first. I think the tools are so good that he might uh, just go somewhere right around. Again, our, our ranking is 28 here, mm-hmm. and he's rated as a, a B grade. So we've got him as a second, third. Obviously, he's 28. We're thinking of him more as a second rounder than a third. Uh, but 
you know, the chances if we were a team having him 28th, that he would be, even if we were picking 31st, be our first pick would probably be slim. Um, we'd probably get him somewhere uh, mid-second or, you know, even later at times. It's amazing how it can how it can vary. And then you asked about uh, the player you know very well. You probably know him better than I do. Matthew Robertson uh, saw him on the summer and then on that same uh, I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And besides skating here, um, I think he plays fans really well. My issue with him and and with our Western guy, Liam, uh, who was not a huge and pumping his tires, and one of the reasons he uh, didn't make the top 31, it's his puck moving. And and especially what I thought is when there was, when he had that time and space and was all comfortable, uh, when he was pressured a bit, that the puck was already kind of just adequate, really started to suffer, and he could force some turnovers. So, as you just mentioned there, really was good defending in the playoffs against a guy like uh, And we saw that too. We don't have problems with the, the defense, but there's that puck-moving part of the game that's really important, and I thought that was, uh, if anything, uh, the weakness there. Let's continue on. Uh, another forward uh, coming in uh, from the Moose Jaw Warriors named Braden Tracy uh, had uh, two really good overage uh, line mates this year in Justin Almeida and Tristan Langan. Uh, he ended up having 81 points as a rookie this year in the WHL, which is obviously an amazing season. Uh, he, is, he wasn't a 16-year-old rookie, obviously being draft eligible this year. So you wonder, or at least uh, I think it's fair to wonder, how much of it is Braden Tracy and how much of it is his line mates. Uh, you rank him uh, fairly high. What do you like about him? Yeah, again, uh, this was a player that uh, Liam brought to us, our Western guy brought to us in October. It was kind of new to me, and he, he said, hey, liking this kid in, in Moose Jaw here, take a look. He's got some skill, and uh, he's putting the puck in the net. Um, there was the, Liam was definitely on to something because that was what, the, the part of the game we liked uh, was the offense, the, the goal scoring. Um, what we didn't like, um, with the compete. Um, so I mentioned earlier about grades and the hockey sense compete skill yeah. skating yeah. and how we do the category. So I'll give you his. His was hockey sense seven, compete five, skill seven, skating five. And the five would probably be in the high five. Uh, we rate him as a C plus. So again, that would be saying that we see him closer to a, a fourth rounder than a seventh rounder. Right. Uh, and 55, 55th rank, um, on our list. So again, it doesn't mean we'd be taking them with our, if we were drafting at 55. Um, but the, what we, what we thought there was some real lack of days. Uh, the compete dropped off a cliff. Um, and you know, when you, when you start doing these lists and you're, you're battling little five over and over to build this list. Uh, when you say the word a bit lazy or lackadaisical, that's going to tend to make you fall a little bit. So, had a really good year considering his situation. Obviously, uh, high profile, uh, was on the big stage at times and, and really showed quite well. So the good is, I guess the good is really good, uh, but the bad kind of looked, looked bad at times. So that's kind of take. I know another player who has kind of been, uh, not the favorite for everybody and, uh, Nolan Foote, Cal Foote's a younger brother and Adam Foote's a son. So he comes from some pretty good hockey bloodlines, but, um, Nolan Foote is, I think he entered the season kind of ranked fairly high, and maybe that's uh, fallen 
over the course of the year. Uh, wh- what do you see when you see Nolan Foot? Yeah, it, it just really comes down to he's, he's not a real popular guy um, as far as ranking because uh, really poor uh, poor evaluations by most of our guys that have seen him uh, in the skating department. So the bad feet uh, just just kind of chipped away at his, his ranking. He comes in as a C-graded player for us. Um, you know, the hockey sense is fine at six, compete seven. The skill we got as a five, and I remember that it was, you know, closer to a six than a five. Uh, but the skating we have down as a four. And uh, you you got flags sometimes or stoppers that are going to stop the player from making it possibly, and, and that would be it for him. Um, really kind of off our radar from early on because we always just kind of flagged him as, man, it's going to be hard to overcome those feet. Uh, and then Liam, as, as the West guy, kept watching and uh, came in with his, his grade as a C. We all agreed and kind of put him to bed. All right. Uh, I'm going to ask you about uh, a few more guys as well. Um, let's go to goaltenders, though. I, for me, it's it's actually a really good year for goalies. Uh, and uh, out of the WHL, there's a number of goalies that I like. I like them, uh, I think, more than HockeyProspect.com does. Uh, you guys have singled out six uh, goaltenders uh, in your rankings, and uh, two of them come from the WHL. The top-ranked guy is Mad Sogard, who would be my top-ranked guy out of the WHL as well. Uh, I saw him firsthand against the Oil Kings in the playoffs, and I've, I've jokingly, I've done a lot of radio here leading up to the draft too, and every time his name comes up, I say, if not for Mad Sogard, that best-of-seven series would have been over in three uh, because uh, the Oil Kings dominated. Just couldn't find a way to, to beat him uh, early on in that series. Tell me about Mad Sogard and why you have him ranked as highly as you do, and... Could he even be a surprise first-rounder in your mind? Uh, first of all, I think there's a chance. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard because I've talked to scouts. Well, it's, you know, just because a scout says, you know, I got him ranked here. Well, there's a whole team ranking, not just a scout ranking. So, And then other times I actually find out kind of where a team has a guy area. So it can depend. But it wouldn't shock me if he went uh, between the, you know, 20 and 30 uh, with the season he's had. Um, I know for us, it was really tight between him and uh, Spencer Knight to be our, our top-ranked goalie. Um, the trip I was just alluding to here, and you can see it was a really good trip because I saw all the top guys. Yeah. Well, this is a kid that I didn't even know I was going to see. I didn't even know about him, and maybe that was bad prep by me. Uh, it probably was. Uh, but when I got there on a Friday in Medicine Hat, um, I walked out of the scout room, and this six-foot six six foot seven kid on skates i'm six five i was looking up to him and i'm going oh man i hope this kid plays tomorrow like and and uh, luckily he did and he was fantastic and i came home and told our guys we've got a new player here that we're gonna have to watch um for the for the size of the kid the way he moved around his net his recovery skills uh the way he challenged uh, his glove was good i thought his rebound control was good uh and we Break them down pretty good in the book here. Uh, get into micro adjustments, uh, that kind of stuff. He just, he just flouted and pressed. And then, uh, I actually watched one of the games you're referring to, uh, online against the Oil Kings and he was fantastic in that game. Yeah. And I was like, man, I don't know, kid, but you just, you should have me watch every game because you're just freaking dynamite every time I watch it. So I'm getting, um, if you got the black book, you'll see like, Great reviews from scouts. Nobody has a bad thing to say, it seems. Um, if anybody says anything, it's like World Junior. But I've seen some other goalies with 
with uh, weak countries get lit up in uh, World Junior before, and it's pretty hard on them. Uh, there was one just just uh, recently, a Czech goalie. I remember seeing in pre-tournament, and I think Canada beat them 12 nothing, and he was a great goalie. Uh, of course, my bad memory, I can't remember his name. But yeah, Rubinsky is is a huge kid, and he can move. Uh, the quickness, and uh, when we get into uh, one of our scouts, Brad, who really is goes in depth with goalies, he's kind of our our goalie guy, and he gets into uh, some of the stuff that um, other people might not notice. Um, Brad talks about him very highly, and, and really compared him against Knight in, in all those categories and he was better than Knight in some and, and really I know we just thought that the hockey sense wise that's where Knight kind of pushed forward um, and uh, stayed our top goaltender. Excellent. Uh, the other goalie uh, from the dub that's, uh, that made your top six is uh, Dustin Wolf. The opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to height as uh, he's just over uh, six feet or actually right around six feet um, but good enough uh, still to, to make your uh, very short list of goalies. Yeah, Wolf I don't know as much as about myself. Uh, I saw him in the summer. I didn't see him again other than watching a little bit of video. Uh, this is one I just mentioned, Brad being our goalie guy. He is a huge uh, Wolf fan despite the 5'11 height. So we go back to a certain uh, a certain goalie who's the back Nashville uh, when we look towards that height. And uh, that is comparable that he thinks he's in that same league at the same age. Uh, that, um, you know, possibly follow that path. And so Wolf was a guy that, uh, you know, got a draftable grade by us. All right. Last guy I want to ask you about. Uh, and, uh, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking to a number of your staff for different leagues. Uh, this guy comes from outside of any of those leagues. So, uh, Moritz Sider, defenseman out of Germany, played professionally this year. He makes your top 10. Tell me about Moritz Sider. I had him on the show this year. I really enjoyed the conversation. He was injured at the time. So we had lots of, uh, a free time to chat. Uh, it seems like a really, really intriguing prospect for, in my mind, but I'm not a scout. From a scouting perspective, uh, tell me what makes him good. Yeah, so from my point of view, uh, much like um, Kravstov last year, who was a Russian who wasn't in any international events uh, that I could see him, and we don't have quite the budget to be able to just pop over to, <laughs> to Russia to, to see one player. Yeah. Uh, much the same for me personally, uh, for Moritz Sider. Now we did add, um, in the new year, we added a scout who was based in Germany who had watched them, not just when he joined us in the new year, but had watched them all year. Uh, so Yannick, um, wrote this profile and obviously had seen him a lot more than any of us. Uh, but like Kravtsov last year, all video for us, that was Sider for me this year. Uh, and I'll tell you, I don't like watching video, but I really enjoyed watching this kid. Uh, I think the tools uh, alone obviously put him on the map. And then when you start watching him and his hockey sense and the way he was playing the game, uh, we were impressed. I think we had him in the early 20s uh, was the kind of our initial spot for him. And then if I'm not mistaken, uh, January, maybe 12, February up one notch to 11, and then to 10 on this final list here. Um, the, the jump from the 20s into that 12 after watch for his country, uh, not in the main world junior, but the, the, you know, the B division, uh, world junior. Mm-hmm. And he got to flash some offensive talent. Uh, and that's kind of what made that 
kind of 10 spotish jumper. It might have even been about 12 spot jump up to 12. And then he just moved, you know, two spots higher on the final list uh, because he, he showed, <clears throat> excuse me, the potential uh, offensively. Now, while we had moved him already, had moved him to 12, then, then as we're coming on a stretch here, uh, we get to see him in the world championship playing against NHLers. And by this time, and he told me this himself, he was feeling a lot more confident. Um, when he was first playing with men back home, he's like, I had to play a safe game because I wanted to stay. I didn't want to get, <clears throat> get cut. So he was playing a pretty safe, you know, defensive first game. Uh, but he told me himself that by the time he got to the world champions, championship, he built up some comp, you know, skate the puck a little bit and, uh, chipped in offensively, which he showed there. Um, and then just on top of it, you said you conversation with him. Well, this is a top five kid that I've ever spoken to. Uh, he, he's intelligent. He knows his own game. His self is really important to scouts was fantastic. He's just likable. Um, you know, there, I could just say there was, there's some players I talked to there and not to try and sound that, but you know, they, they seem like they're 15 years old. Yeah. Uh, this felt like he was 30 years old. <laughs> you're talking to him uh, and just a great sense of humor. You, you know, you probably heard this, but there was so many media around when he was telling a story, but uh, just that he blew it on the, what kind of clothes to bring. He didn't realize it was going to be like a two interviews. <laughs> so he was in just like a, I think there's a golf shirt. He had the sneakers on. So he said, yeah, so I'm going to the prospect award sneakers. Not sure. That's how I want to be remembered. Hmm. As you know from having our black book year after year after year, feedback from interviews, not just during the combine, but a season, but in this case, a lot during the combine. And I just say to teams, you know, any interviews, whatever, and they, they start filming. Every team I asked had this kid, if they didn't say he was the best, they mentioned him as one of the best. Every single one I asked. So, and this was before I got to talk to him myself. So when I talked to him myself, it all made sense because uh, he was very impressive, and he'll show that on on draft night, I'm sure, during his interviews. Well, really looking forward to the uh, the draft and seeing uh, where a guy like that goes could be a real wild card on uh, on draft day. Mark, uh, unbelievable uh, the black book once again this year, uh, and uh, thanks again for uh, coming on the show all season. You and your staff, uh, looking forward to chatting with a few more guys here for this week's episode. But uh, really appreciate you making the time, and looking forward to doing it all again next year. Yeah, I appreciate you having uh, Miggy and our guys and enjoy the rest of the uh, conversations with them. Uh, I'm blessed with uh, some really unbelievable scouts, to tell you the truth, and uh, they're, they're, they're fun during the meetings. We really get into some good debates, and they know their stuff. So enjoy the conversations with them, and uh, we'll, we'll see you sometime soon. Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com and uh, a look at the players out of the Western Hockey League you need to know for the NHL draft. Uh, that's coming up. Boy, it's uh, less than a week away now. You can hear the TSN 1260 draft coverage. Myself, Alan Mitchell, a.k.a. Low Tide, and uh, Andrew Peard will be on the air on uh, Friday night doing round one. Uh, that'll be at uh, TSN 1260 on Friday. For me, there's a lot of players out of the WHL, guys who will get drafted, who we didn't chat about there as uh, depth guys. I mean, I'm looking at overage players like Luca Burzan, who I, I think will will go. 
Uh, lots of I think there's lots of goalies who will be taken this year, and you know Trent Minor. I, I think Ethan Anders has a a chance of being uh, selected. Um, the list goes on and on. I think there's a lot of WHL players. To me, it's it's one of the better years for the WHL, and not just at the high end. But I know there's a lot of people who say this draft doesn't have depth. I think, just my personal opinion, I think it's because the OHL is fairly light this year, and the Q is you know average at best this year. And uh, quite frankly, even Europe might not be as deep. I think there's a lot of reasons why the draft might not be as good, but it's not because the WHL uh, didn't show up this year. It's a good year for the dub. Next year, maybe not so much. Up next, we head out to the East Coast. Uh, Jerome Berube, scout with HockeyProspect.com. He's going to tell us about players out of the queue. That's next here on the Pipeline Show. And up comes Trankovic. He's got speed. Trankovic, breakaway to the backhand. Scores! Max Trankovic is second of the season, and it's 2-1. I'm Maxim Trankovic of the St. John Sea Dogs, and this is the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. <laughs> 